When patients survive cancer, their biggest concerns are how to recover their health and actually thrive, not just survive. Our guest has lived this scenario and will bring us evidence-based research and clinical experience on what works after cancer. Welcome to Nutrition Edge on ReachMD. I'm dietitian Kathy King. My guest today is Dr. Lise Allshuler, past president of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians and founding member and current president of the Oncology Association of Naturopathic Physicians. And she's a breast cancer survivor. Dr. Allshuler's book is titled The Definitive Guide to Thriving After Cancer, a five-step integrative plan to reduce the risk of recurrence and build lifelong health. Lise, welcome to our program. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Given your training in medicine and natural therapies, what did you learn by being a cancer patient yourself? You know, being a person that's been diagnosed with cancer and having gone through many of the conventional treatments for cancer, I've really learned this disease from the inside, as I say. And I have to preface that by saying that prior to my diagnosis, my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And so I also had the experience of being a family member, a caregiver for someone with a very aggressive type of cancer. And it's one thing being a practitioner, and it's another thing being the person diagnosed with this disease. It can be a very transformative experience, and that can be positive and negative. But, you know, there's no way that somebody can get a diagnosis of cancer without having that diagnosis affect their life in a very profound way. So I think that having gone through that experience, I really felt and experienced just that. And that's allowed me to hope to translate that experience into my clinical work with people. And it's really given me insight into the priorities that people have when they go through this disease and emerge from treatment. And my goal in all this, my goal for myself and my goal as a clinician for others is to encourage health so that somebody can be a healthy person with cancer, a healthy person receiving chemotherapy, a healthy person receiving radiation, a healthy survivor, as I call it, a thriver. And so that's really what I strive to do. And I think that that's been very much informed by my own personal experience. And you use both traditional and non-traditional therapies? I did, yes. I had a cancer. It was an early stage breast cancer, but it had certain characteristics that made it potentially aggressive so that I had surgery and chemotherapy and radiation and hormonal therapy afterwards. And all of that was accompanied by lifestyle-based changes and support as well as dietary supplements. And I continue, of course, to this day, I'm done with all those treatments, thankfully, and really felt like a healthy person throughout that process. Of course, I did have side effects, but I recovered very well and managed many side effects or prevented some that I could have otherwise experienced. And now I continue to rely on my lifestyle changes and dietary supplement program to help reduce my risk of recurrence. I would like to get into that more. And in your book, you mentioned key pathways that a person needs to restore. Could you explain those and what they have to do with cancer? Yes. And, you know, I I would like to actually start by just saying very clearly that I believe that it is possible through lifestyle to reduce our risk of cancer. There's some debate about this because of some research that has been done that demonstrates that cancer can be basically an accident, just sort of an unpredictable genetic event. And that's 
somewhat true, certainly, but what is missing from that conclusion is that genetic accidents can be made themselves more or less likely depending upon the health and the signals that cells receive from their immediate environment. So when we talk about prevention, we're really talking about changing the terrain of our body in such a way that we can minimize the chance that a cancer is going to become mutated or cells going to become mutated. So with that, I just want to make it clear that I believe that prevention is actually an important and legitimate path to follow. And with that in mind, then, there are several what I call superhighways of influence, things that have the most dramatic impact on the health, the cellular health, the tissue health of our body to make our bodies less hospitable to cancer or to these chance mutations. And these five highways of influence are, and I'll just name them for for the moment, our immune system, something called chronic inflammation, something that I call hormonal balance, insulin resistance, and then the fifth is digestion and detoxification. And these five pathways, really almost any strategy that we would have to lower our risk of cancer ends up impacting one or more of these pathways. So they these pathways translate our lifestyle behaviors into something that's going to impact the health of our body in a way that ultimately will help prevent cancer. Would you take us through, and I know you have the five-step integrative plan, would you take us through two of those and here where we talk about enhancing your spirit and physical movement and what the research is showing about those two and how they impact cancer? Those are two very interesting ones. I'll start with spirit, which happens to be one of my favorites. And interestingly, something that's very important to people who've been diagnosed with cancer, and I don't necessarily mean religious, although certainly for some people, their spiritual health comes through their religion, but people can have a very active and vital spirituality that's independent of organized religion, just to make that clear. Spirit is really about the way that we approach life. It's the meaning that we attach to life, and that translates in turn into physiological effects. Candace Perk was in many ways the originator of this concept and she talked about the molecules of emotion so that there are basically ways that our mood and deeper values actually translate into different biochemistry in our bodies. So some examples of how this works in cancer prevention are things like people who have regular feelings of gratitude have been found to have more stable DNA. When the DNA is more stable, it's less prone to mutations. And so that that actually has been documented scientifically. We also know that people who are grateful tend to be happier and have less stress. And there's some very interesting research that has very clearly documented a path between the chemicals that are released when we're feeling stressed, either acutely or chronically, and those chemicals actually can stimulate the growth of cancer cells. So kind of rolling that back, what that means is that when we're grateful, we have more stable DNA, so our DNA is more resilient, plus we have less stress, which means we're reducing chemicals that can feed or promote cancer growth. 
So that's two examples. One, I'll give you one more, just because this is a favorite topic of mine. <laughs> when we have a sense of optimism, people who are optimistic have a couple things we know about this. One is that more optimistic people have lower rates of cancer growth. This has been shown, for example, in ovarian cancer and even lower levels of a marker for ovarian cancer called CA125. And people who are optimistic actually increase the length of something called telomeres. Telomeres are, you can think of as protective caps on the end of our DNA. And the, the longer our telomeres are, the more, again, the more stable our DNA is, the less likely it is to undergo mutation. So these are just some examples of how these deeper values, gratitude, optimism, happiness, joy, really do affect our cellular health all the way down to the level of our DNA. So are really very important in cancer prevention. I would like to give you an example. My mother was positive and stable and all of the different kinds of, of words that you've mentioned there. And her mother was 93. Her mother-in-law was 98. And they died within two months of each other. And on the day that her mother was buried, her sister was given six months to live. Mm. They were the three most important women in my mother's life. And she broke out first with shingles. And in four months, she had metastasized colon cancer to the lung, and she was able to live three more years. But I know that it was that perfect storm of all these things happening at the same time that all of a sudden just took her. Very much the case. And I, I think what's important, too, is that you can't fake optimism and positivity and gratitude. So this is not the kind of, I'm going to beat this no matter what, I'm, you know, that's, that's not what we're talking about. We're really, for this to have a deeply cellular mm -hmm. effect, it has to be very genuinely experienced. So like in the case of your mother, she genuinely felt connected to these women. She had a social network that meant a lot to her. It created a deep sense of wellness. And, you know, for people to have these effects, it's something they really have to internalize at a very deep level. So sometimes if somebody's already been diagnosed with cancer and they're interested in preventing recurrence, that's where cancer can be quite transformative because now they've experienced something that just really motivated them to realign their life's priorities, to do what they love and love what they do and be in the right relationships and kind of make adjustments to facilitate their ability to actually experience deep-seated gratitude, joy, optimism, and that is impactful as a part of their risk reduction program, absolutely. And physicians can facilitate that or bring it to the awareness of the patients. Physical movement, does that make a difference? You hear that studies are showing that getting good physical activity makes the body function better. So physical activity is very important. There are a number of studies now which clearly associate regular physical exercise with reduced risk of cancer and reduced risk of cancer recurrence and reduced risk of dying from cancer. Now, because these studies are association studies, we can't say for sure that it's cause and effect. But it's possible that people who are regular exercisers have other health habits, which are, you know, actually the reason that the cancer it's a cancer prevention strategy. I would suspect not because there are also very well-known now physiological mechanisms that would 
easily explain why regular exercise reduces the risk of cancer. We do know that in addition, physical exercise absolutely improves quality of life for people with and without cancer. So for that reason alone, it's worth doing. But as a prevention strategy, I would argue that exercise may in fact be the most important or the strongest prevention strategy. So as I often tell my patients, if I was stuck on a desert island and I could only take one cancer prevention tool with me, it would be exercise. Above diet, above really anything else. Maybe, you know, stress management comes in there. Exercise is just really critical for people with, for example, if you're looking at breast cancer or colon cancer, people who have been diagnosed with either of those diseases who become regular exercisers reduce their risk of recurrence on the order of about 50%. So that's a very significant effect. That's basically cutting their risk in half. And so you might be thinking, well, how much exercise do we have to do to get that risk reduction? And most of the studies define regular exercise as the equivalent of 30 minutes of moderately brisk walking five days a week, or said another way, 150 minutes of moderately brisk exercise a week. So that's actually very doable for most people. And what we know now is more is better, both in terms of quantity and in terms of intensity. So really, the way that I think about this is that depending on your physical capability and fitness level, you know, starting, if you're not very active, to get that 30 minutes of moderately brisk walking in or the equivalent of walking 30 30 minutes for five days every week is great. And then once that's kind of in place, you want to constantly build in intensity and duration so that you're always at the edge of your fitness, so that you're always kind of pushing yourself a little bit harder. That's where you really start to see the benefits. You're listening to Nutrition Edge on ReachMD. I'm Kathy King, and I'm speaking with naturopathic physician and cancer survivor, Dr. Lise Allshuler, and we're talking about thriving after cancer. Lisa, another of your core strategies is diet. What are your nutrition guidelines for your patients? So one size does not fit all. I want to make that very clear. But if I had to boil this down to a common denominator among all diets that have the most impact, it's to eat a plant-based diet. And the more plant foods, at least now they're saying 10 servings a day. So serving is a cup of raw or a half a cup of cooked as many colors as you can get because plants are full of cancer-fighting compounds and the more variety of plant foods that you get into your diet, the better able you are to get that variety of, that armamentarium really of cancer-fighting compounds. So the most important thing, plant-based diet. And along with that, it's really very important to minimize or to eliminate refined, processed, packaged foods because those have direct cancer-causing compounds in them, and they also will aggravate inflammation, depress immunity, some of those key pathways. So if I had to boil it down to just very simple one, two, it would be that, more plants and less processed food. All right. What dietary supplements do you suggest and why? So dietary supplements are obviously something that needs to be individualized. So I want to make it very clear that really the best thing is for somebody to seek an integrative healthcare practitioner, naturopathic doctor, nutritionist, uh, dietitian, integrative MD, et cetera, somebody that can really have training in dietary supplements and to get an individualized plan. 
That being said, some supplements that are often universally appropriate would be things like vitamin D, and that's something that somebody should have their blood level tested. And if they're low, they need to be in at least adequate, if not optimal range for their vitamin D level. That's a very important one. Along with that, I would argue that having a supplement that includes what we call flavonoid antioxidative compounds. So for example, green tea extract, turmeric extract, resveratrol, which comes from grape skins. These kind of compounds are very potent cancer-fighting compounds. And we can get them in the diet, but it's hard to get enough to really stimulate some of our cancer defenses. So that would be also something I would consider to be very important. And then there are some others like fish oil and probiotics that are generally very important, anti-inflammatory. So uh, those would also be on my short list. How does a person create the rejuvenation step that you mentioned? Rejuvenation, I would describe in two ways. One, it encompasses this concept called resilience, which is very key. It's our ability to deal with stress and to reemerge from stress renewed and ready to take on our days because we can't necessarily eliminate stress. So any stress management is very important. But again, kind of a common denominator to stress management is this concept of mindfulness. And this really has to do with being very present in our bodies, and it doesn't have to be for a long extended time, although it can be like with meditation, for example. It can even come with just taking mindful breaths, closing your eyes, taking a deep inhalation, exhalation, three in a row. That form of mindfulness is very uh, uh, effective. So mindfulness is, is intimately tied to stress management and resilience. And then the other component for rejuvenation is rest. And we know that adequate sleep is essential to our health and to keeping those five key pathways optimally healthy and lowering the risk of cancer and its recurrence. Most people need about seven to eight hours of good quality sleep every night. So if sleep's an issue, then that needs to be addressed. And there's lots of ways to support sleep naturally. And of course, we need to kind of create a lifestyle that allows us to get more sleep on a daily basis too. I'm curious, do men respond as readily as women to your program? Yes, actually. There's slight differences in what men respond or need to versus women. Like for example, with exercise, most of the data shows that men to get the benefits of exercise, need to actually exercise at a vigorous level, not just a moderate level of intensity. So there's some nuances that can be different. But in general, absolutely, this is not in any way specific to either females or males. Can you summarize what you want us to remember about thriving after cancer? I would say that number one, roughly about a third of all cancers are considered preventable with a healthy lifestyle. So that's just an important, empowering concept. And key within that prevention from a lifestyle perspective would be adequate exercise, starting with 30 minutes a day of moderately vigorous exercise, getting at least five, but ideally 10 servings of vegetables and fruits every day, finding or moving in your life what you need to move so that you can experience more gratitude developing some kind of mindfulness practice for stress management and resilience, encouraging yourself or allowing yourself to get more rest and sleep. We don't have to be productive all the time. And of course, if you're interested in dietary supplementation, find somebody who can guide you with really coming up with a very 
helpful dietary supplement program. And all of those things together will not only reduce risk of cancer recurrence, but will definitely, 100% sure, improve the quality of your day-to-day life. Lise, thank you for bringing us your Cancer Health Insight. I really appreciate this. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Our guest has been naturopathic physician and cancer survivor, Dr. Lise Allshuler. We've been discussing thriving after cancer. I'm Kathy King, and you've been listening to Nutrition Edge on ReachMD. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series, and thank you for listening.